welcome to the BRB AFK podcast. I am your humble producer, Boston. Joining us in the Zencaster studios is the time being, Scott. Hello, and here is one of my trademark movie phrases. I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I seem to have been mistaken. Typically, funny story, I keep my bubblegum in my left pocket. This tonight oh. was in my right side pocket. So it turns out I actually do have some bubblegum. In fact, I might have enough bubblegum to share with everyone if everyone's oh, okay. okay with like splitting the bubblegum. So that uh, way yeah. you're not going to get a full piece of bubblegum, but you're still going to get some flavor. And it's not fruit stripes. So don't worry about that. The oh, flavor God, no. will not disappear on you like my father did on me. It's not going to be like that. Ooh. Uh, well, a little dark for that quote, but uh, yeah. anyway. And also joining us as always, our illustrious host, Ryan Shipley. Hello. I think it honestly, the wheels go off anytime that Scott can't join us. The wheels come off or just our brains go off? Like <laughs> It could be. And it's so weird because we typically don't record until later in the night. So this yeah. is actually early for us recording. And we sound sleepier than we would if we record it like an hour later. <laughs> yeah i can see that but uh you know scott unfortunately is not with us this episode thank god it's not covid it's super covid yeah covid 69 which COVID per doom. the doctors is really nice <sighs> <laughs> yeah ouch that joke was a sick as scott <laughs> hopefully he'll be back next week it's not covid thankfully but he's got some kind of sinus infection the poor kid i worked with him for a bunch of years at the place I used to work, and every uh, winter to the first part of spring, he would use up so much of his PTO mm. being sick. So, unfortunately, oh. this tracks. But yeah, and he thinks he might have got it because he was at the doctor's office two times last week. I'll let him tell that story when he gets back on in the next episode. But he thinks that's where he might have caught it. Fair. It's it's just crazy. But how's your health? Uh, for the most part, pretty good. Uh, I've not died yet. Good. I'm a little little stressed out because some of the uh, project I've got going on, I'm running behind. But oh. other than that, you know, yeah, life is it. life is peachy, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've actually started doing some projects too. I'm making comic book bundles for friends, and I am behind on that because every time I get digging into the comic books, I'm like, "Oh, this is a great issue," and then I'm looking through it all. Like now, I need to make sure this person gets this book too. So, yeah, I think that's what happens. I'm a, I'm a procrastinator by nature. So, yeah. No, I mean, not like you. This, no, this apartment that we live in right now, when me and my roommate first became roommates, we kept putting off going to find an apartment until two weeks before Dave had no choice. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's how bad it got. So, yeah, I'm a procrastinator. He's a procrastinator. I always admire people that don't procrastinate, people that will say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and do this and actually do something. That does impress me. They impress me as well. I am slowly but surely becoming someone like that. I'm slowly oh. getting to a point because I do kind of enjoy being able to go like, hey, you know that thing that's due in a week? Oh, yeah, I'm done. Like, I got it. I'm, I don't have to. Yeah. It's already, it's already there. I don't have to try and freak out about it. It's not just sitting there waiting for you, like on your schedule. Every time you look, you see it sitting there on your calendar. It's mm -hmm. nothing like that. Okay. Yeah. No, I get that. 
has it, what have you had to do to kind of make these changes in your life? Primarily just have to get myself in the mindset that I getting my rewards. I'm getting the carrot instead of the stick. Uh, well, just not not settling for the uh, immediate reward of oh look I get to play you know Hollow Knight right now or I'm gonna play some Dead by Daylight. It's like no 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 get your shit done and then you can play more of that later. Ooh, and you can feel good about yourself. You can be like because mm-hmm. you know otherwise you're playing the games and you're beating yourself up in the head because you're like man I should really be doing what I should be oh, doing right God. now. Yeah, that that's just the worst. Where it's like uh you know maybe I should. You're enjoying yourself, you're relaxing, and then you're hating yourself for it. It's like, yep. I don't think yep. that's the way it was supposed to work. No, it's not. And it's also, I think, because like we live in this country that says they value work, but don't really show it by the way they pay people. But it's like a lot of people feel like if they're not working, that they're wasting their life or they're, they're letting something down, you know? Yeah, and I still have that kind of mindset, which makes me sad. Yeah, but you're also a hard worker and you grind. I I do, but like I don't want I I don't want like I'm good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a friend of mine the other day. The pandemic got me in a weird headspace because I've always been that kind of person that's like, yeah, I've got issues. That's great. I'll get to that when I have time. Mm-hmm. I have work to do. Yeah. I have work to do. I have work yeah. to do. And then now, <laughs> it's like. Oh, hey, guess what? You don't have anything to do. Guess what? You don't have any more work to do. Yeah. Oh, shit. And so then I had to sit there and start facing everything going, oh, fuck, I've got issues. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, that was the one kind of interesting thing, I think, with the whole pandemic was that for the people that actually took the pandemic seriously and quarantined, Mm -hmm. they had to do a lot more soul searching. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that should have soul searched didn't know soul searching. <laughs> they, uh, that's just the that's just the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. The but, way um, that cookie crumbles. Man, okay, you know what? I got some cookies in the mail today. Oh. I don't know if you know this or not, but the country, the the United States of America, yeah, has two bakeries that make the the Girl Scout cookies. Really? Yeah. So there's one. The one that we get, I'm going to pull up the names here because I think it's like Little Brownie, but I want to make sure. Okay, yeah. So one is Little Brownie Bakers. That's the one that delivers in the Tennessee area. So that's the one we usually get. That's the bakery we get. But then there's a wild card bakery called ABC Bakers. The crazy thing is the cookies are different. They use different recipes. Really? Yeah. So, like, for instance, the Thin Mints, the ABC Bakers make their cookies crunchier and place more of an emphasis on the mint taste than the chocolate, while Little Brown Bakers include a rich, smooth chocolate coating on their cookies. Their Thin Mints also have a peppermint flavor as opposed to the mint flavor from ABC Bakers. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so they do it all like the LBBs call them Samoas. And by the way, I'm, I'm using the cool terms now. While ABC <laughs> calls them caramel delights ah. so i guess in a way it's kind of like you know how here it's hardy's but if you go towards the west coast it becomes carl's jr right like same um advertisements same graphic design but it's just like a, it's it's almost like a mandela effect <laughs> but friend of the show miranda had posted uh wondering how she could get her hands on some abc bakery cookies and i was like 
that's a really good question. Let me know when you know. And she sent me the link, and my roommate and I went in on some uh, Girl Scout cookies. The nice. most insane-looking difference is the s'mores. So the one that we get, the LBB ones, they have it in writing that looks like it says, you know, Girl Scout s'mores on it, right? And it's nice-looking. Whereas the um, mm-hmm. ABC Bakers, they put a chocolate covering around it. You don't get to yeah. see that, that s'mores detail. It's just, here's some more fucking chocolate for you. I'm hoping that I can like do some taste tests to see if I can tell the difference. I only got two. I got the Adventurefuls and the Thin Mint. So I'm going to be, I'm curious to see what the difference really is. They also, Tagalongs. Tagalongs, we call them Tagalongs. I think it's a horrible name for a cookie. But uh-huh. ABC makes it worse by calling them peanut butter patties. Now, here's one I think you'll have to agree with me. LBB's got a better name. They call it the Dosi Dose. Whereas ABC simply calls it peanut butter sandwich. Uh do is definitely definitely better. Yeah, yeah. And that's like they didn't even have any creative that that was the part of the day probably they were ready to go home. And they were like, <laughs> let's just call it peanut butter sandwich and get out of here. Again, ABC not creative. LBB calls them trefoils. I think that's how mm. you pronounce it. Whereas ABC just simply calls them shortbread. Hmm. Okay, and here's it. Savannah Smiles, LBB, versus Lemonades, ABC. Ooh. So where do you go there? Which one Lemonades do you think is Lemonades doesn't sound too bad, honestly. That's Okay. Yeah, Savannah Smiles sounds like a, like a sex trick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I guess so. It definitely sounds like a porn star name. That definitely... Yes. Here's one that... LBB doesn't have a version of. This is oh. just simply ABC's. Trios. It's Trios. a gluten-free yeah. chocolate chip peanut butter cookie. And there is no equivalent from little BBs. And again, ABC's like, you know what? Fuck this. We're going to come up with some more cookies. They have one called Thanks a Lot, which is a shortbread that has fudge on it. And it says thank you on the cookie. Yeah. But LBB's like, fuck that, motherfuckers. We can do our own, too. And they have Toffee-tastic, which I don't know if that's true, because I have never seen that at any Girl Scout setup that I've ever gone to. I don't, I don't think I would get it, because I don't really care for Toffee. Right. But I don't, I don't know if I believe in that one. Huh. But yeah, Little Brownie Bakers are the majority of the states. ABC Bakers are exclusively... Nebraska, Kansas, Maine, Rhode Island, and New Jersey. But then they also share some states. But Tennessee is locked completely behind Little Brownie Bakers. Probably because it's adorable. I mean, it's pretty adorable. Yeah. You had no idea tonight when you hit record on this podcast that you were going to learn more than you ever wanted to know about Girl Scout cookies. Man, I had no idea what I was in for tonight after Fake Scout at the beginning. (laughs) I was like, all bets are off. Yeah. Yeah, fake Scott, you know, great impersonation. I, I'm really, I'm basically like the rich little of podcast hosts. Is that too old? Is that too dated of a reference? Yeah, a little, little dated. I should have used what? Who's who would be considered the impersonator of today? Dave Coulier? But he's not really an impersonator. Who would you say? Man, I don't know. Hmm. Because you can't like a... really, you can't use Dave Coulier because he really just does like chipmunk voices, that kind of thing. You can't do uh, the dude from Police Academy because all he really does is like 
car and vehicle noises. Uh, no, I mean he he, he does a little, little 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 everything, but primarily, yeah, me- very, very mechanical, very beatboxy. Yeah. So who is the premier impersonator of of today? I, I don't know. We don't. Uh, no, I take that back. I'd have to go then with Billy West. Okay, and did you see he finally did come to terms with the Futurama? DiMaggio did, yes. Oh, DiMaggio, you're right. Uh, Billy West is, well, Billy West, it's, yeah, it's Katie Siegel does a Leela, John DiMaggio does Fry, and Billy West does goddamn near everybody else. Um, <laughs> that tracks. I think him and Philip Lamar probably do a lot of different voices on that show, right? Yeah, just about, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Joe DiMaggio was the one that kind of held out for a little bit, right? John John DiMaggio. Damn it, okay. John DiMaggio Joe held was out. the... Uh... Joe DiMaggio was a baseball player, wasn't he? Yeah, Joe, Joe DiMaggio was a baseball player who was married to Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. Monroe. Yeah, so Joe DiMaggio is probably not holding out for money, but more because he's dead. Yes, yeah. Joe is holding out on okay. account of being the dead. Oh, and here's good news. Uh, Rich Little... Still alive. Really? Yep, he is 83 years old young. 83 years young is what I meant to say. Yeah, you would not think that, right? Because you've not heard of Rich Little in in a very long time, right? I'm going to be completely honest with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not quite sure... That you know who he is? Yeah. This is not the musician, right? No, no, no. He's an impersonator. Oh, okay, he's a, okay. He's a straight-up impersonator. I don't know how I know Rich Little because I'm looking at his um, his uh, Wikipedia right now, and he's not been anything I know of in the last 40 years. Oh, Jesus. So how do I know Rich Little? Oh, here's fun fact. He actually was a guest star in Futurama. Oh, that checks out. He played himself, and there was a scene where he was like, this is Rich Little impersonating Howard Cosell. I guess Howard Cosell was probably one of his big... And that makes sense, because Howard Cosell has that, you know, kind of like funny voice anyway. You know, he was a big thing in like the 50s and the 60s and 70s for sports. So I bet Uh, that you had to have a a Howard Cosell impersonation. Ah, yes. Ancient. Yes. But you know what? I have no idea who the premier impersonator of today is. Again, that seems... Oh, wait. Is it that Frank Gorillo? He always does the. Uh, he's always on Fox Sports doing John Madden. Oh God, no! What was that kid's name? Uh, I think I know what you're talking about, but uh, no. Frank Caliendo. Yeah, Caliendo. Is he? Caliendo. Our, mm. Is he our master impersonator? I hate that. More than likely, it is but I'm never going to admit it in court. So do you think there was just some point in time where we just got tired of impersonators? I mean, considering that the big draw of the internet, especially these days is keeping it real, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, uh, the idea of impersonating somebody else with the way of the Dodo at some point, I guess of our generation though, it's probably Dana Carvey. (laughs) Even even Carvey had such a limited he had such a limited range. He did, but such a they were so great. The sad thing is, when I was little and watching, I was like, "This is amazing." But seeing him thirty years later and he's still doing the same damn impersonations, 
it yeah. shows that either he was very limited to begin with, or he's just does not give a shit about staying relevant. Oh no, I don't think I don't think that was ever. Dan, Dana was going to do this, do the jokes that he wanted to do, and then when it was over, he's like, okay. Yeah. Now, have you ever? You may be too young. Did you ever see the Dana Carvey show? I saw a few episodes of it. I like to quote when him, Stephen Colbert, and the other two did the Beatles. Yeah. That was hands down one of the funniest fucking things I'd ever seen in my life. But you may have been right because Carell was on that show too. Carell and Colbert were both on that show. Yeah, it was rather impressive how finding out how much those two did together. But it was a mur- murderer's row because not only did you have Stephen Colbert and Carell, you also had Robert Schmeigel, Elian Gold, yep. and Bob Odenkirk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that's an amazing run, but it just it bombed. It I think it says here it only they only did eight episodes and one was unaired. My favorite is still again I love quoting it whenever I can, but it was them talking about I think it was Ringo. Ringo who, who's, the, who's the bassist? In the Beatles? No, uh, that's right. It was George Har- George Harrison was sitting there. He's like... Man, you know if some boomers are listening to this episode right now. They're furious. They're f- yeah, furious. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because the answer's Lennon. <laughs> it was George Harrison saying, you know, it's. I always felt like I was left out of some of the songwriting in the, in the, in the team. This yeah. one time I came up and I told, uh, I told Paul I had this idea. Yeah, I told, yeah, told, told, told him we had this idea. So I played my tune. It was uh, Squiddy, Squiddy, Squiddy. God, I love my Squiddy. Squiddy, 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 rock and roll. <laughs> and then John John goes, the Beatles do not write songs about cephalopods. <laughs> and then, then about a year later, we had Octopus's Garden. I'm like, what, what the fuck? What the fuck, John? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I think Harrison wrote my favorite song of the Beatles, Here Comes the Sun. That's my favorite Beatles song. Oh, that was them, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, I, I got a little bit more of appreciation for the Beatles when that their version of Rock Band came out. I do think as generations continue to come out, I think the Beatles become less and less relevant. The boomers are really mad right now. They're probably canceling subscriptions, writing us letters. I mean, if the boomers can still remember how to pick up a pen, and they'll write in cursive. Yes. A dead language. The the Beatles, again, I never thought the Beatles stopped being relevant. Yeah. It was more that I don't think that they were as good as people remember they are. Oh, okay. Like, See, that's a strong opinion. I disagree. I believe it was opinion that John and Paul both had. <laughs> it is also weird when you look at it for as big as they are. It was such a small point of history. Like, what is it, eight yeah. or nine years before they break up? Yeah, uh, and even only half of that were they actually touring. Yeah, because there was such hysteria over their performances, they didn't feel safe going out. No, I wouldn't either. You think Pete Best was the glue that really held them together? Because it it really seems like they didn't like each other. Maybe who's Pete Best again? Pete Best was the one that was with the Beatles right before they popped, and I can't remember if he quit the band or if they let him go but he stepped away or got fired right before they became what they are. The Beatles. Gotcha. I mean, maybe I always love that one quote from Beatles themselves where, how they would just be like, you know, really snotty in some interviews. They're like, so is Ringo the best drummer in the world? And they're like, Ringo wasn't the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah, that was all just of- like they called his ass out right there in front of everybody. Yeah, but I, I feel like it. I feel like it wasn't even that. Like they were kind of admitting, "It's like no, we're like we're not as like yeah, we're not as good as you think we are." No, and looking up, Pete Best was fired from the group in 1962. Aww. He was their original drummer. Okay, yeah. So that must suck to be fired as your drummer and then replaced by Ringo Starr. That would be like being a football player and you get a replaced by Air Bud. <laughs> I've never seen the movie, but there is a movie based on Pete Best's life called Backbeat. Okay. And I, I've never seen it, but I, I always remember because they would show the trailer and the trailer it always goes, there's Pete Best. He could have been a Beatle. <laughs> He's still alive. He was born in India. He uh-huh. actually uh, started his own band called the Pete Best Four. Um, I that's that's some <laughs> that's some believing yourself right there. Oh, yeah, like, hey, you know that one guy who couldn't be a Beatle. Yeah, how hard would that hit you psychologically if something like that happened, where you were let go from a group of creative talent? And then the rest of them just blew up. You mean like when I think about the different shows I've done with Corey Forrester, Trey, uh, yeah, and Drew, Drew and Drew Morgan? Oh yeah, no, ne- never, never in my life have I ever thought of something like that. How what? Okay, so that dynamic was it? The three of them basically that had always kind of like been like a triforce together, and then every. I'm not going to go into too many details because yeah. it's based on, it's all based on just what I remember. Yeah. But yeah, there was definitely the bigger issue tended to be that there were several people who there, there was a, there were a bunch of them together Yeah. and those were the ones that I guess in the, in the term, you know, when, when opportunity knocks, they were the ones that were actually ready to, to show up and answer. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of other people like, that they they ran with and had done stuff with but they all had like i mean not not to, to bad yeah, yeah, no, they're all no. great people yeah. but some of them just had more more on their plate than they, yeah, they, they yeah. had had to focus on they had to focus on on what was going on here rather than yeah and uh the three of them when trey hit it big with that first porch rant the three yeah. of them were ready like you said they were ready to go from there because i think a year before that trey had actually one, a thing where he got to go to New York and work uh, to write some NBC stuff for a minute. Yes, uh, he he was working on. I don't remember if he wanted or if it was just he he actually got that he he applied. He like applied. And he person. was one of the people that that <laughs> were. Uh, I guess not when it is not the right word, but he was one of the people that they selected. Yeah, and I I know I remember he really he really enjoyed that. Yeah, and I think Corey and Drew had already moved to New York. And I think it's always funny to me that they moved to New York to be closer to comedy, but it was Trey with that portrait that made everything what it is. And I, I do like the fact that all three of them have been loyal to one another. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think they also still, um, whenever they're touring around here, they bring, uh, what's his face? I can't think of his name. He's got a goat. <laughs> DJ Lewis. Yes, DJ Lewis. And that's sad, but that's what I think when I think of him because I know he's got that goat and I'm I, I wish I had a goat. I love DJ. He is a he is a saint. He is awesome. I don't think I've ever met him. He's the one I've never met of the of the three of them or the four of them. I did a fantasy football league once with the the other three. <laughs> I beat Trey because Trey forgot to set his lineup. 
And I remember no. one time getting into not a screaming match, but a big discussion about Carnage. Because Trey loved Carnage, and I cannot stand Carnage. Wait, so hold on. I, really? I don't like Carnage. I think Carnage is the worst Spider-Man villain. Are you a Carnage fan? I mean, yes and no. I think okay. I th- it's one of those weird things where I feel like he's like the max version of Venom. Yeah. Like, he's not actually any more dangerous. He's of his decade that he was created. Yeah, definitely he was a product of the times because... Yeah. It was like, what if Venom, but more murder? Mm. It was because Marvel had that tricky thing where Venom had blown up in popularity. And so like, okay, Venom has to be a good guy now. He's got to have his own book. But the symbiote stuff is working really well for us. So let's make a symbiote that you can never like. And that became Carnage. Who just, by the way, to feel old, Carnage just celebrating his 30th anniversary this year. Really? Yes. I'm older than Carnage? Yes. And Marvel is taking advantage of it. They've been doing like exclusive variant covers, different characters, their version of Carnage. Huh. And like when they had the Venom verse. Yep. Just like that. I would say Carnage is basically the Pete Best of the Spider-Man villains. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of his. I think fewer people are going to get this reference, but I... I did a rich little one, so don't worry. I think of him as like, as like the Gigi Allen of villains. Uh-huh. Where it's like even the, even the people who are on board are like, mm, I get it, but so, maybe maybe tone it down a bit. I've never heard any of his music. I've just seen the picture of him on stage all bloodied up because I guess he's beating himself up. Was yeah. he? How was Good? his music? Oh, god awful! Is it really that bad? Oh, oh yeah, no, it was it was god awful experimental punk rock. Like it was okay. But it was it was def- it definitely hit that niche of people who just wanted to scream and let loose and go nuts. Okay. So it did what it needed to, but it was it was never actually good. Now, would you? I know he passed away in oh man ninety three, so he's been dead for a while. Mm. If he was alive, if you were of age when he was performing. Do you think you would ever go to one of his shows just to see that? Or would that just be too much? Do you not like that kind of vibe? I mean, I would definitely give it a shot. Okay. Because I have enough, there's enough people. Like, I would have loved to have actually seen, oh, why can't I remember your dumb name? (sighs) I like that his band was called Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. He did die young, 36 years old. Bill Hicks. Yeah, okay. Bill Hicks. As much as I'm a huge fan, yeah. I agree with the great Whalen Whiskey, who said, never not once made me laugh, but I appreciated what he did. Do you think somewhat because he died so young and so early in his career that that's kind of put him up on a pedestal? Gigi or Bill? Bill. No, I don't think Bill was ever going to get... You think he was always going to be like that comics comic where yeah, comics loved him, but the mainstream had no idea who he was? Yeah. What was the... One of Mark Maron's specials talks about opening for Bill Hicks. Okay. And he said, I went to the bathroom, Bill went on stage, and I, I knew his opener, so I went to the bathroom, and I came back, and he's on the edge of the stage, up on his tiptoes, crouched forward, screaming at this woman, I'm a fucking poet! And I'm really? like, what, 
what happened? What did I miss? What the fuck? He's just screaming over and over again. I'm a fucking poet. So finally she says, well, tell us a poem. <laughs> like Bill's greatest material, honestly, and his greatest albums were done, uh, recorded overseas. Like oh. America didn't get Bill Hicks. <laughs> okay. The Brits ate his ass up because it was like, oh, oh, life is shit. Yeah, we get that. Yeah, no, we get that. Which that kind of makes sense then that he was like more popular overseas because I think the first time I ever was introduced to Bill Hicks was from Preacher. Uh, yep. And I bet that's why, because Ennis and Steve Dillon, both uh, Europeans. Yeah, because I think Preacher was created like a couple of years after Bill Hicks died. So I bet he was like, uh, I guess Ennis was really feeling Bill Hicks at that time and still feeling like mourning his loss when he included him. Because it is a weird cameo to show up in uh, Preacher. Yeah, I don't know. There's much about Preacher that is <laughs> isn't yeah. fucking weird at the end of the day. Yeah, no, it, it makes me so sad how bad that TV show was of Preacher. Which is one of the reasons why I got scared when I first heard that Seth Rogen was putting his hand on the boys. Yeah. But the boys turns out great. I did ne- I never did liked the, I never liked the comic, but I love the TV show. Have you seen the little teaser trailer they've done for season three? Yes. And I'm looking forward to season three and I'm looking forward to Diabolical because. Oh, that's out now. Have oh, you not watched it? Out? Yeah, I've not watched it yet myself, but yeah, it came out a couple weeks ago. I guess I was too busy watching budget John Barenthal. Okay. Yes, that's a great setup. All right. So we <laughs> put this episode back. Honestly, if we had if we had probably pushed it, if we had done it last week, you know, Scott would have been here. We would have had some magic. But we decided, hey, this Halo show's coming out, so let's watch that first episode and give our opinions on it. I'll let you kick it off, Boston. What did you think of Halo for on Paramount Plus? I kind of agree with one with one review that I read that it really wishes it was the Mandalorian. Yes. Like there, there's definitely a lot of it that it wishes it was the Mandalorian. Wait, now, is that, that girl be- baby Yoda? Uh, possibly. Okay. But uh, it definitely, I enjoyed it. So okay. to, be, to be clear, I enjoyed it. Okay. I, I Are you not- going to continue watching it? I plan on, I plan on continuing to watch it because I do want to know where the story goes because if you get a chance, there's a, there's a YouTuber who I love beyond a shadow of a doubt named Brian David Gilbert. Okay. And he's done a few, few fun things on his own, but he did a series with Polygon called unraveled. And for one of the, the episodes, he does like, like super extensive deep dives into weird, into random shit. Yeah. Like which mortal Kombat characters would be the best cuddlers. Definitely not Baraka. Definitely not Baraka. Making every meal from Breath of the Wild. And the one that the one that got me was he went through every Halo novel. Wait. There's Halo novels? Yes. Holy there crap. is an entire Halo extended universe throughout a series of novels. And from what I can tell, the show is pulling from not not necessarily directly from some of them. Mm-hmm. But it is definitely giving nods to the greater extended universe in that it's set during when the Spartans were still a very like, um, not so sure about making fucking super soldiers, bro. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of makes sense because when Master Chief first shows up in this show, 
he's kind of almost like a demon in a way, like the fear that that people have in their eyes towards him. And I I, I really did like that. That was a good throwback to the the first Halo trilogy. Because uh, did you did you play a bunch of the Halo trilogy? I haven't. I played through half of the first one till I got to that point where you're supposed to turn around and go back. So yeah. So the the fact that the Covenant actually refer to him as demon oh do that was yeah when he first drops one of the covenant turns looks and just growls i can't remember what, what it is in their language but it translates to demon okay yep because no yeah the, uh, they are terrified of the spartans oh <laughs> as they should be because master chief takes them down pretty quick yeah like, brutally so do you think because i i guess i'm like you where we're not that invested in the halo universe do you think that kind of makes us have in a way you would think that would make us have lesser care about the show right i mean yeah it doesn't feel like something that's going to pull in a lot of people from outside of the halo universe yep that people that aren't already invested in halo as a franchise have you seen how the real fan, I'm not going to say real fans, but the people that are more invested in the Halo universe, how are, what are they thinking of this show? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I haven't cared. I have, <laughs> I, I sh- you don't want to tread into those parts of the internet. I get it. I haven't yet. I, I should. Uh, I should check on that. But it just hadn't been anything. Oh, sorry. Yeah, speaking of way too tired to be doing this, what the shit? It's weird, uh, right? Because it's like, it's not even eight yet. No, it's not. Like, what the hell is happening? It's so weird. Yeah. I have not really kept up with legitimate criticisms of the, of the show yet, because I've just been kind of going back and forth. Yeah. But I don't see where there's a compelling... Story. I don't. I don't see an actual compelling story, right? Like, yeah. It's... On one hand, the fact that it is the whole, like, wait a minute, our killing machine has a soul is a little interesting but yeah. i don't know if it's gonna be enough to carry it and it's kind of interesting because i guess like because usually in the games it's uh is it cortana what's the name of the ai cortana cortana it's like cortana is the is kind of like the viewers uh gateway into master chief in the games but here right. i guess cortana is not really still like an ai thing yet and I guess it's this girl is going to be our eyes into everything that well, happens in the series. Not entirely sure. Cause so from what I've gathered, I've watched it through uh, three times now. Oh dear God. For one, did you catch the mass effect reference? No, they had a mass effect reference. If you put the subtitles on yeah. at one point, they call for commander Shepard to come over the uh, intercom. That's pretty clever. Okay. That's nice. So I know that they have, they have shown images of Cortana. They have. They. I know. Oh, before the show started, they they did, and a lot of people panned it. A lot of people panned it because, like, why did you need a rework? Although I kind of understand now, because if you listen, if you listen to the dialogue, the Cortana project, she she tries to bring up. This is why I think Cortana would, and then the her superior is like, "There is no Cortana. Stop it!" and leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's from what I've pieced together. They're using Cortana as a way to like temper the the Spartans okay. and keep them keep them on on track. 
Yeah. As I know that that's also, if you've played any of uh, Halo Infinite, that's what your AI system is there to do is to kind of, you know, be like a little butler and keep you in line and uh, focused. And so the Cortana project is still in its infancy, which would explain why it doesn't necessarily look like it did in this, in the, by the time the games come around. And it kind and it does make sense. I would say like, I know my roommate loves Halo. He's only played through like the first three and then them reach an ost i don't think he's played four five or six so yeah so one time this is before we became roommates we were just hanging out at aelin's house um and by the way today is aelin's birthday so happy birthday aelin happy birthday aelin yeah as we're recording this on the yes on the uh 29th of march yep but dave really wanted to try a halo game so we gave him a controller the first world i think it was halo 3 and david proceeded to go straight into a lake right (laughs) and you can stay in lakes as long as you want as we discovered because it took dave almost an hour to get out of that lake we kept asking him saying hey let's give us the controller and we can help you but he was adamant that he was going to do it so part of the birthday party was everybody crowded around the tv watching david climb up out of the lake and then slide right back into the lake so we did the whole (laughs) ooh. Oh, and it it was uh, <laughs> it was good times. But I know he dug it. He's he's in for the long haul. I am not sure if I'm in for the long haul or not. Mm, understandable. I'm going to stick with it just because I do. It's things that interest me, like yeah. ooh, alien artifacts and insurgents and people who are against the big evil military complex. Yay! Yeah. Like, yeah, no, no. I, I, for me, like the opening. 15, 20 minutes, I thought, okay, this this is pretty cool. It looks nice, and the people that Master Chief is protecting and just, like, how they feel actually about Spartans and stuff like that. But then the rest of it felt like a cheap version of The Expanse. Mm-hmm. Like, when it gets to all the politics and everything, it just felt... I, I couldn't keep my focus at that point. I agree with you. It does feel very much like... even reminds me when we did go to... The Batman? Oh, no. Someone was talking about The Expanse recently, and it reminded me of... I was, I was thinking of that when I was watching it, where it's like, yeah, it seems... But then again, is that... While it does seem to be copying The Expanse right now, yeah, it doesn't really seem any different than... Honestly, have you ever played any of the StarCraft games? Okay, no, I, I never have, but I, I see what you're saying. It's just like still the same kind of concept with what they're doing on the space base and everything. Yeah, just where you have a world where it's a lawless frontier, yeah. and so you have, they somehow just always seem to be too extreme. You either have the people who are 100% corporate rule, or people who are like, no, no freedom, only freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I'm kind of worried, because like all the actors that are on that part of the show, according to uh, IMDb, they're on every episode. Really? And I like some of those actors, like Bokeem Woodbine. I love him. He was great in Fargo. Um, uh, Jen Taylor is actually Cortana in the games and in the TV show, which I think is kind of neat. Really? Um, yeah. But looking at here, it looks like on IMDb, the majority of these actors are showing as own nine episodes of the show. <laughs> we do get an actor coming up soon whose name is Squirrel. And I'm excited to meet Squirrel. Wait. The character's name is Squirrel, or the actor's name is Squirrel? <laughs> the character's name is Squirrel. I apologize. That Damn. would be even better. 
I was about to say, if there's a an actor named Squirrel, then yes, I want to see all of their movies forever. Yeah. Now, Scott, I'm actually, right now, I'm actually communicating with Scott through text. It sounds <laughs> not as cool as if I was, you know, like uh, on a Ouija board or something like that. But to do that would mean that Scott is dead and he's not. So. Oh, no. Yeah, text is good. But he said he was never a hardcore Halo player. The only one he'd ever finished was the first one. But he really enjoyed the first half of it. He thought the special effects and the audio made him feel like he was watching an actual Halo game. He said the <laughs> second half lost him a bit. He thought it was odd to see Master Chief remove his helmet. He feels like that should have happened later on or not at all. I disagreed with him there. I think there's a reason why he took the helmet off, and that was to calm her down. Oh, absolutely. No, there's definitely a reason for it. Yeah. But yeah. that's why I keep making the jokes about budget John Barenthal. <laughs> yes. Because that's just what I thought of when I saw that actor in the open. It's like, yeah, it was so. <sighs> you know where he's from, right? Other shows he's from? No. He was Hornstash on Orange is the New Black. That's okay. That explains why I felt a little uncomfortable seeing him. <laughs> and he was also on American Gods, if you watch that. He was the Mad Sweeney. Mad Sweeney, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I. Mm, mm. Okay. Not think, thinking back to Mad Sweeney. Then okay, I can. I can. All right. Maybe I'll give him another shot. Okay. But because th- that was the part that just got me. I was like, really? That yeah. is your. This, this is your god. And it may happen because, like, I was thinking about that, like. He definitely disappears into his role because I didn't know that he was also Mad Sweeney until I looked at his IMDb. Mm-hmm. His Mad Sweeney was crazy charismatic. So I'm hoping that that comes into like his Master Chief because I know in the video games, Master Chief is basically you. So it's like almost like he's not a silent protagonist, but he's kind of a very vanilla character. So the player can kind of be the character. Kind of, I always, I always thought of his, since they did give him speaking lines, that it was more like a, he's so fo- like single focused. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the thing is, like, I think they had to do something like this in the show. And I did see an IMDb, it looks like there's going to be somebody that's going to play the young version of him. So I guess they're going to do a lot oh. of um, backstory stuff to try to put some uh, humanity to Master Chief. And I don't know if I really care about that. Well, what do you know about the actual, what, what do you know about the Spartans? I don't know anything. I know that the people that like to play those games love Mountain Dew and Doritos. I don't know. The Spartans I, I mean, you're not, you're not wrong. Yeah. I don't know a lot about the Spartans. I'll be honest. So part of the deal with the Spartans is that they were they were children who were picked up and had their humanity removed. A lot of them don't have uh, were taken from their families, taken from their homes, and put into the project to become these super soldiers that were devoid of feeling and devoid of soul. So kind of like the Spartans in Three Hundred. Kind of, but I mean by that by that story sense, yeah, I guess I guess that checks out. Okay. Now, are they kidnapped and turned into, like, the soldiers, or are they given? I think there are some mixed opinions on that one. So I guess to wrap this up, like, our Halo discussion, which, not as exciting as I was hoping it was going to be. We I told you about what Scott felt about the helmet. He said it's a bit strange with where Master Chief's character is at the end of the first episode, but again, he's not familiar with the storyline. 
But overall, he did like the first episode. He's going to keep watching. I don't know if I'm going to keep watching. I know I'm going to keep watching just because I kind of want to see where it goes. And now that you've now that you've informed me that who this guy is, because yeah. he did not look like Mad Sweeney to me, he, he gets into his roles real well. Yeah, I'm going to I want to see where it goes. Do you feel bad for calling him the generic John uh, Bethenthal? No, I'm still I still I still stand behind my thing. Like they they definitely that that was the look they were going for. Regardless, like okay. I can I can feel how I want. But I, I, that's that was the look they were going for. But he he definitely the the, the helmet scene definitely felt like Stallone's dread. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Oh, you you have to show your face in this movie, don't you? Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, it's because they've paid the money for the actor. If if Dave's around when he's when I when he if he's watching it when I'm around, I'll probably stick to it. But I just I don't know. There's so much good TV on right now. I just don't know if I, I want to do it. I guess to wrap up tonight, did you see the news today about the new PlayStation pricing? I have not. Okay, so they have decided people thought it was gonna be their version of Game Pass. It is decidedly not. Really? Yeah, it's if it is a competitor, it's it's not what people want because the number one thing that they said straight up is, hey, you're not going to get day one games on this. So uh, let me find that quote. Yeah, so Jim Ryan said, Sony day one PlayStation Plus games releases don't make any sense. He said, we feel that if we do that with the games that we make at PlayStation Studios, that victorious cycle will be broken. The level of investment that we need to make in our studios would not be possible. And we think the knock-on effect of the quality of the games that we would not be something that gamers want. Sony seems to definitely be not moving with what I think is going to be the future of gaming. They're very stubborn. And I think that's because they're still leading. I mean, that probably has something to do with it. Yeah. Why fix something that ain't broken. Yeah, they were originally going to call this the codename was Spartan, which is kind of funny with everything we've talked about tonight. Ironic. Yeah, but they're actually going to stick with just calling it PlayStation Plus. It's going to be three tiers. The first tier is the same price that it is right now, $9.99. That's the PlayStation Plus Essential. That gets you the two games a month, exclusive discounts, cloud mm-hmm. storage, and online multiplayer access. So no changes there. I think it's $9 a month, $24.99 a quarter, or $60 yearly. Then their next one, PlayStation Plus Extra, it provides all the benefits that you know I just said. On top of that, it includes the 400, the most enjoyable PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games. Define enjoyable. <laughs> I think the most recent game that's going to be on that is Returnal. So about a year old game. And this is going to be $14.99 a month. quarterly or $99 a year. So that $15, that's the price of the Game Pass Plus that comes with the Game Pass and then the two free games a month that that Sony that um, Microsoft does. So I guess that's the comparable one. Then we have the PlayStation Plus Premium, which provides all the benefits from those first two, but now includes 340 additional games from the PS3, the PlayStation, PS2, and PSP. Now, all those, the majority of the PlayStation 3, 3 games will all be cloud streaming because Sony just does not want to spend the money that they would need to 
to make backwards compatibility and download options for the PS3 games. They're just not going to do it. And then the catalog is going to be uh, original PlayStation, PS2, and PSP generations. They haven't announced any of the games yet. It's kind of got a weird trickle out. It starts in June in the Asian markets and then comes to the North American markets, then the European markets, and then everywhere else by the end of the year. The premium is $18 a month or $120 yearly. So it's cheaper than the Xbox Game Pass. $15 a month times 12 is what, $180? Mm-hmm. So it is cheaper by a, a good amount. But I don't think it has as much value as the Game Pass. I mean, on one hand, I can agree with you because just pound for pound doesn't sound like it has that much value. Yeah. But my PS1 games. <laughs> PS1 games, and there are some PSP games that I've always wanted to play. Yeah. Now, I wonder if that's going to be, because they just say PSP, so I wonder if that's going to just be PSP or Vita as well. Because there are some games that came out on the PSP Vita that I had wanted to play in the past, like for from our, the first party Sony developers that I never got to play because I just wasn't going to spend the money on a Vita. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people are frustrated because the only one of these three tiers that seems awesome, and that's for the retro playing, is the PlayStation Plus Premium. But, you know, it's $18 a month. Or I guess it is cheaper if you do the yearly because the yearly is... a is 120 so you do save a good amount of money that way i guess and i know sony always does at least once a year where they cut their subscription uh price down like i know typically it's like you know usually 60 dollars a year and they'll cut it down to like 30 dollars for like a month or so so i kind of wonder if they'll do something like that near the beginning for early adopters because obviously they're doing this because they want to bump up those subscription numbers yeah but I know a lot of people are frustrated by it because they have gotten spoiled by Microsoft. Now, this doesn't mean, with I think what Jim Ryan said, that you may not see third-party first-day games. Mm-hmm. But you're definitely not going to see the first-party games. The first-party games will not be for day ones, no. They're not going to be day ones. So people that were excited about this, thinking, oh, good, this is how I'll get to play God of War Ragnarok this year... That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. No. You, yeah. Pay, you still got to pay, call out the money for it. So it seems like the internet isn't angry. It seems the internet is just very meh about this, just like you seem to be. We're not mad. We're just disappointed. <laughs> exactly. Now, if you want to see what they're mad about, it the mishandling of Gran Turismo 7. Oh? Yeah. So, okay. So. Ooh, what did I miss? Yeah. So lean in, my friend. This is what we'll end on. So I knew Gran Turismo 7 came out the 1st of March, right? Good reviews. It's If, you've, if you haven't played it, it's a solid... Oh, okay. Sorry. You got, keep going. I, I, I think yeah. I know what you're talking about now. So it's a solid Gran Turismo game. I played it. It's not... I like the Horizon games better, I think. One of the weird head-scratching things about it is it always has to be online. You cannot play this game offline. And so two weeks ago their servers were down so people couldn't no. play Gran Turismo for a weekend. Oh no. Because of the always own. The second yeah. thing that's most pissing off everybody is this is a $70 game. The $70 game, every time that you win tokens in the game, mm-hmm. it, it asks you, Hey, do you want to top off your tokens and buy some virtual tokens? 
they also make it to where some of the cars in that game are so expensive, like it would equal to a hundred real dollars for one virtual car. So people found a way that you could go into the game. You know, people were doing a lot of grinding to get the tokens. So yep. and this is what pissed people off. It was like a one-two punch. It was one, the internet always trying to be on the internet thing. And then Sony went in there and they took what you could earn per race and they cut it. Yeah, they cut it by almost half to a point where I, I do remember reading this now to a point where people are using the PS5's remote play mm-hmm. to run it to their computer and run a script where they can get the uh, have them have it auto play for them. Yep. To uh, to grind those credits out to make um, millions of dollars in credits a day. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, like Sony doesn't like that, of course. So, you know, right now they've uh, their big official statement is they've apologized and they're going to have a patch in the future that's going to reward everybody a million credits and go from there. The big tricky part will be. I don't know what they're going to do to make people because, okay, let's say, you know, they had planned for Gran Turismo 7 to be their hub for Gran Turismo for the next five years, right? Yeah. What's going to be the point of putting new cars and everything into the game if people <laughs> will just be able to grind for a day and buy all those cars as soon as they get released? Well, I mean... I mean, it's how it should be, because if you pay $70 for a video game, there should be no... You should not have to buy anything in-game. Right. It pisses me off. It's the thing I hate the most about a lot of modern gaming. I can understand if it's a free-to-play game if you want to you know, like put all that shit in there. That's fine with, to me. But if you paid $70 for a game, you should get everything in that game. Yeah. And especially if with, uh, I don't fully get why they're, why they're trying to do anything with the always online. Yeah. With the always online stuff, because what are you, I don't know. Uh, it, it just seems, it just seems like they're, there's a lot of bullshit. It's a lot of bullshit. It's a pretty looking game. It's also weird because like the AI doesn't really react to you. The AI knows what its path is and it's hell bent that it's going to stay on that path. And it so it, it never feels really like you're racing anything. You, it feels like you're racing a computer. It feels soulless. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a I'm sure car junkies probably like it. I guess because it does do a lot of in-depth stuff for car junkies. Yeah, but even then the car junkies are used to six titles. We didn't have to do this shit. <laughs> yeah, true. It's also weird because, and this is probably because this is all going to be downloadable content in the future. The most, uh-huh. the most up-to-date current car in the game is 2017. Yeah. So I don't know if they're planning to do, that's where all the DLC is coming from. I mean, you learn a lot from cars if you if you play it. Like every time you go to these cafes, and the cafes will hand out like a challenge, like collect three cars. Or, cafe. Yeah, and it's weird too because the graphics in the cafe look like those old HR videos that you would watch. You know, before you start a job, and it'd be like going, "Hey Ryan, how do you turn on this computer here?" Well, that's easy. You know, those kind of things. Yeah. It looks like those. They'll give you a challenge, and then after you complete the cafe challenges, they'll tell you, hey, here's some cool information about Mustangs. It's just very, is it esoteric? Is that the word I'm looking for? 
Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, but it's it's weird. It's very weird. It's always got to be online. And I've always played it from this computer. That on, always online thing would already make me mad enough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's what we're ending on. Something weird. Gran Turismo 7. I, I think they're going to have to do a lot more than what they're planning to do. The million credits to get people back. I think... I, I think they have a lot of trust to gain back in these. Uh, it's also less than a month old, and they're already dealing with these kind of issues. Yeah, that's going to be the problem is they're they're getting greedy, and hopefully just more people are finally taking the time to say, like, hey, wait a minute. We don't have to take this. Yep, exactly. Like a, like a Twisted Sister song. We don't have to take this anymore. We don't have to take this anymore. <laughs> Right. I like D. Snyder. D. Snyder has become a great old man. He really has. He's he's the kind of libertarian I don't hate. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we hate libertarians and we hate always online games. <laughs> fuck live service games and fuck your tread on me bumper sticker. We love you, Pete Best. Love you, Pete Best. Anything else today? We uh we got any recommendations that we want to slip in there? Or? Oh yeah. So I'll recommend one thing real quick. There's a TV show. It was last year. It starred Kate Winslet called Mirror Beast Town, where she's okay. a detective in this small, I think a Rhode Islandish town. Jean Smart is on it as her grandma. A girl gets murdered in the town, and there's also been two girls that have gone missing, and so they're trying to figure out. It's a it's a seven part mystery who done it. It's phenomenal. The acting is amazing. The characterization is good. The ending when you when they reveal who the murderer is, I did not see it coming. Mm. yeah okay. it's usually in these kind of shows you can kind of telegraph it i didn't see it coming it's and there was like there's some twists that happen as long as the show goes on fantastic uh if you have hbo max mirror of east town is excellent okay now, do you have anything to recommend watch a horror movie you can't just say that you can't say i recommend a genre any of them. yeah you gotta have one I re- oh well apparently we can just recommend animation sorry i'm <laughs> I'm still I'm still salty about the like yeah. So what happened there? Let's talk about that for a second. We're not going to talk about the nonsense, the the, the slap heard around the world. We want to talk about that because everybody's already heard it. It's almost like it's like Elden. I think that's harder than playing Elden Ring to get to the internet without seeing something on on that. What what's what's the thing about the animation? I think I missed it. Apparently, the two the, the host came out and made a joke at the Oscars about how. Animation is something that's that children enjoy and adults endure. Really? And then Amy Schumer said, I would I only saw Encanto because my kids wanted to watch it. To be fair, she probably stole that line from somebody. And I fall back to one of the greatest quotes from Brad Bird, director of Ratatouille and The Incredibles. And Iron Giant. Yes. It's not a genre. A western is a genre. Animation is an art form and it can do any genre. Amen. It can do detective, it can do cowboy, it can do horror, it can do R-rated films or kids' fairy tales. It's not a genre. And the fucking Oscars, I- I'm sure if the Oscars could, they would never do an animation again because they don't give a shit. No, how rare is it to see an animated movie nominated for Best Picture? I mean, usually never because yeah. they won't they won't even address ones that are close to being entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, if it's not a Toy Story, no one gives a shit. Yeah, there is one animated movie that kind of really disproves her whole, her whole, her whole opinion. There, it's called Flea. 
It's on Hulu right now. It was nominated Best Foreign Picture, Best Documentary, and Best Animated Picture this year. Oh, it's a documentary? Yeah. Flea is incredible. It's the heartwarming story of the basis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) You piece of shit. You almost got me. (laughs) That would be amazing. I was like, I would watch that. Yeah, I want to watch that. Tell me more. Yeah, it follows uh, Amin Nawabi, I apologize, who on the verge of marrying his husband, shares his story about the first time about his hidden past fleeing in his home country of Afghanistan to Denmark as a refugee. It's supposed to be incredible. But I think there's always going to be those ignorant people, just like the people that will never think that a comic book can be can be more than just something for a child. Yeah. It, it's annoying. But even, even then, like... I. I... These these people are so. How how often like hell? Some of the first cartoons ever made. Some of the first cartoons ever made were goddamn Betty Boop. Yeah, like those are some of the first animations ever created. Some of the first earliest comic books fall into the line of the. I mean, I'm sure it's probably not the best term to use these days, but for lack of a better term, the Tijuana Bibles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You, you familiar with those? I am. Yes, but it's an art form. Like, here's the thing. I watched Finding Nemo, and at the end of that movie, that little Dory, the one that is forgetful, that made me cry. I cried about a a fish. To me, that proves that animated films are just as important as any other kind of movie. It's, I mean, of course, there's there's garbage, but there's garbage in any any genre. There's garbage in any 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 film or any genre. Yeah, yeah. To but and to stick your nose up to one art one form of art you're the loser there because you're losing out on a lot of good just like everybody that didn't watch red panda because they believed all the nonsense the outrage merchants were shouting yeah yeah which uh, also i i do feel i do feel very vindicated about turning red a really good movie very b good. fucking called it <laughs> you've done you've done that a lot recently you called it kanto you actually spoiled the ending for me without actually without actually seeing it you are the animation whisperer (laughs) i think one thing i would say about the oscars the i liked that um coda won all three awards it was up for it's a really good movie about a deaf family on amazon plus and or sorry on apple and i really liked how good of a person lady gaga is oh yeah did you see that with her and liza minnelli I didn't catch all of it, but it where she's obviously Liza Minnelli. She's in a in a wheelchair now. She has shrunken. You can tell that she's dealing with with, you know, the things that come with age. Yeah, there was a part where Gaga was like, do you see that the public? They love you. And Minnelli was trying to look through her notes and was getting confused. And then Gaga was just like, "I I got it. And basically protected her during the whole time. Like, it was amazing. It reminded me a lot, like, a few months earlier, there was a 60 Minutes episode about uh, Tony Bennett, who's now dealing with Alzheimer's, and how he's made two albums with Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga was so loving and nurturing and caring for him that I think, honestly, what we need to do is take every single aging musician and make Lady Gaga be, like, their guardian. (laughs) Because... There was a part where Tony Bennett, he's got Alzheimer's. He doesn't remember, like, he met Anderson Cooper. He doesn't sometimes remember his wife. But as soon as he steps out on that stage, 
he can remember every single lyric every that single he's word. ever. Yeah. Like well, uh he Lady Gaga meets him behind there, they're gonna perform at the where the Rockets um music city hall or whatever it is and he doesn't remember who lady gaga is but as soon as he's supposed to introduce her and she comes out and he goes lady gaga he it clicked when he's performing it's like the alzheimer's disappears you know what this episode has had more false endings than the batman did uh this is true (laughs) yeah you know what let's end the episode it's a sad note to end the episode but yeah this is awkward i wish scott was here so we can make fun of him and end the episode (laughs) nope we got to nope. face it ourselves. Yes. Thank you very much, Internet, for joining us in this uh, very strange episode. Strange iteration. Very strange. Of... Why are we so tired? Because without Scott to tether us, to temper us, we just kind of go off on a completely different tangent. Yep. He's um. He's the light of our lives. Yep. He's the glue that holds us together. Thank him for being a friend. All right. That being said, thank you all so very much for joining us. Uh, we are BABFK, and we will catch you all in the next episode. Good night, everybody. Does that make Bingy the best of the group? No, he's still here. <laughs> That's he's true. still Ringo Star. Yeah, he's okay. Still we, Ringo Star. You're still Ringo Star, Bingy. Well, good night. Because I've got you under my skin. Uh, also joining us in the studio today is the time beam. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> There's two time beams? Okay. I can edit that part. Yeah.